You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Final hour on this Thursday, Dan and the Dan S. Dan Patrick Show. We'll check in with the Iowa head football coach, Kirk Ferentz. He'll join us coming up in a little bit here. Got a poll question. We got a winner. Fritzy's scoreboard winner. We'll have that for you coming up. The numbers 55 and 19. Hmm. Okay. 877-3DP-SHOW, email address dp at danpatrick.com. Here's a, a good recap of where leagues stand opening up. NBA teams expected to get the go-ahead to reopen practice facilities for limited use as early as tomorrow, less than two months after the coronavirus outbreak that forced the suspension of the season. The NFL has set protocols for reopening team facilities and told its 32 teams yesterday to have them in place by May 15th as... American Professional Sports League advanced their planning for how and when they can return to action. Major League Soccer teams took the first small step. Uh, they're returning to play by allowing players to use team training fields for individual workouts. UFC will host the first of three shows this uh, week. Uh, I think it's this Saturday in Jacksonville, Florida. And, uh, you know, normally they're playing in stadiums, uh, but you won't be able to do that. But trying to figure out what happens. The NBA's window is short. They're on the clock right now trying to squeeze in a couple of regular season games and then maybe a postseason. Baseball still has a little bit of time. Uh, Football, we don't know about college football. Even the NFL, you have the schedule released tonight. And I've forewarned, I've cautioned you to just look at the first four games for each team, where they're going to be played, and are those disposable games if we decided, or the NFL decided, we're only going to have a 12-game schedule because there are contingency plans in place. Will you see the California teams? Could they possibly be playing in Arizona, Vegas, even Denver for the uh, San Francisco 49ers? These are things that are being discussed. From what I'm told, there's a 16-game schedule, obviously. There's a 14-game schedule. There's a 12-game schedule contingency plan. Whether those are implemented, uh, put into play, Uh, we're going to find that out, but I think you're going to look at those first four games. And if you're the NFL and you want to showcase, you always want to showcase your Super Bowl champ, that first game, that Thursday night, Kansas City Chiefs at home against who? Do you want to have that game? And what happens if you lose that game? You know, if, if the Buccaneers play the Chiefs on opening night, can you push that back? What happens if you start the season and it's going to be a month in. I think that those are some of the questions that I have. There's a little more intrigue with this than normal. We know which teams your team is going to be playing. You don't know when. You don't know how many road games you're going to have in a row or how many home games you'll have in a row, any quirks uh, you know, to the, to the uh, schedule. But there are contingency plans in place if we have a 12-game schedule. And if you're going to lose games – you want to make sure that you're not losing interdivision or uh, interconference games. And that'll be the curiosity there. 55 and 19, the scoreboard clue uh, for Todd. Do you want to give us a clue? We have a winner, Mark, in Colorado. The 55 part is eight was enough. And the 19 part was he was golden. Eight was enough. He was golden for 55-19. Did you figure this out? By or did you have to look this up? Who me? Yeah, uh, I, I yeah I did. I had to look okay. it up. Okay, golden. These these numbers didn't come to me uh, right away. Okay, 
I was thinking Lance Allworth at number 19. Uh, the number 19 part is something you referred to at the very beginning of the show. It was certainly part of. Oh, Johnny Unitas. He was nicknamed the Golden Arm, as I'm sure you know, and wore number 19. So that's where okay. you get the 19 part. All right. I like that. 55. Also discussed on the show. And Mario stole my thunder. And that's a, more than enough of a clue to give you 55. Paulie? Former slick passing point guard, the pasty gangster Jason Williams was 55. Not the right answer, Just but that to is pull. true. Mm. Think of eight was enough. Might have been involved with the play of the day. Um, the number is 55, but eight was enough. As in the eight seed. A certain gentleman oh, who wore number the, 55. The Kem- the Kem- good God. That, that, that was a good one. The Kem- number no, no, 55. no. They're, they're good, but they're like they're bordering it's on tough. impossible now. It's the first time in history, in this state in history, that the number eight seed beats a number one? Well, I know, but other players played on that Nuggets team. Yeah, but Matumbo was the most popular one, and he had that famous shot with the basketball, which we also mentioned earlier in the show, and wore a very unpopular number 55. We just heard from USC's athletic department. They sent in a picture of Matt Leinart on the cover of Sports Illustrated with the score 55 to 19. When they won the national title game, does that sound right in 2005? Is that Oklahoma? I think USC, Oklahoma. Todd, I'm talking to you. I believe so, but would that, that you game have no have, idea? That game wouldn't have happened on, on May. 7th. Oh, I know, but they're they're just saying 55, 19. They That's had their own. But 50. that would be very random to this date that we're. That you know, we're I'm starting to get seven. tired of the scoreboard thing. I am. <laughs> Are you really? I'm almost. I'm almost wishful of mock headlines coming back. Wow. And and you maybe know, feels about that. And maybe your sports related. Uh, you I know, would gladly sp- take the mock headlines over the scoreboard segment. <laughs> wow. Right. Uh, any day. Do you guys want any to take day. a vote? Especially since now the scoreboard segment has become play of the day, the yes. scoreboard segment, and this day in sports history. We're wrapping up all three segments into just one. It does get a little redundant at times when we all pick the same thing. Thank you, Todd. Yes, Paul. Or Mother's Day sports names, if you want to throw that in there. Oh, God. I don't know if that's possible. Why, why do you do this? <laughs> <laughs> Mother's Day sports names. Interesting. Kevin Love. But then it starts spilling into Valentine's Day, so we've got to be careful with that. <laughs> they could be very similar. Steve. Anyone whose name was mommy or mother? Steve Laundry. <laughs> Left tackle Eric Flowers. No, yeah, no, here we go. Don't encourage him. Don't encourage I'm him. Thinking. Don't yeah, that's no, dangerous. I don't like No one's got he's... a name like wife girlfriend. I, oh, you know what? Speaking of which. Oh, see, I set you up there. Er, Earl Thomas was reportedly oh, held at gunpoint by his wife. Same I don't way. know I don't know what Mother's Day is going to be like in that household. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> Earl Thomas, Ravens defensive back, uh, held at gunpoint by his wife after she caught him cheating with another woman. TMZ is reporting the incident. It occurred on April 13th. The incident was found in a court filing that details the incident involving the Ravens safety. His wife Several other people, this took place at a home in Austin, Texas. Thomas's wife claims he left the couple's home earlier in the day after fighting with her husband after his drinking. His brother picked him up. TMZ details what happened next. But a short time later, she decided to check on his whereabouts by logging onto his Snapchat account 
And that's when she says she found video of Earl and another woman. Nina, his wife, says that she used Earl's Snapchat account to track his location to a nearby Airbnb rental home. She said she called up two other women to help confront Earl at the home. Nina, the wife, also claims she grabbed Earl's pistol, a 9 millimeter Beretta, in the process with the intention to, quote, scare him. When the women arrived at the house, they discovered Earl and his brother naked in bed with other women. That's when Nina admits she pulled out the gun and put it to Earl's head, stating that she took out the magazine thinking the gun could not fire, but cops say Nina was unaware the gun had a bullet in the chamber. In the end, police arrested her and the two other women who were with her. She was booked for burglary of a residence with intent to commit aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. The couple has been married since 2016. Here is uh, Earl Thomas making a statement about the incident. So my agent just hit me and said that I'm going to be on TMZ tomorrow from an altercation that happened with me and uh, Nina. So I just wanted to get ahead of it. I mean, it's really not anybody's business. It's pissing me off that it got out, but it, it's the world we live in today. But instead of talking about us, just keep us in y'all prayers. And uh, stuff like this happens, bro. We try to live the best lives we possibly can, but sometimes it don't go as planned. Just pray for us, you know, as we go through this stuff. You know, we're back talking. You know, I'm, I'm seeing my kids. So uh, just keep us in your prayers. Stuff like this happens, bro. No, not really. I, you're in bed with your brother with other, like that's the creepiest thing about all of this. Like I, I had to sleep in the same bed as my brother. Yeah, you're eight. Yes, I'm not. I'm not thirty. Why is it that disturbs me the most about all of this? Because they're like, hey, Dave, what are you doing later? <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> hey, I, I got an Airbnb. You want to come over? <laughs> yeah. Sure. What are we gonna do? I don't know. Let's get in bed. Got some friends coming over. And most people don't have an Airbnb in their own town. Usually it's a vacation home. <laughs> it's a couple hundred miles away. It's not like eight blocks away. Oh. Rarely does that work out well. Gun to his head. Safety off. Didn't know she that there was a bullet in there. Whew. That could have gone really, really, really bad. And that's only aggravated assault, something like that? Putting a gun to someone's head? Yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't know. The Austin police uh, were the ones that were answering the call there. Wow. Happy Mother's Day. A couple of phone calls in here. Uh, Dr. Dash in Cincinnati joining us on the program. Hi, Doc. Morning, Dan and the boys. Um, interesting fact, I haven't heard anybody talk on, on any show, including you guys, and that's this year in the AFC North quarterbacks. With the Steelers, you'll have Roethlisberger, multiple-time Super Bowl winner, future Hall of Famer, Lamar Jackson, Heisman Trophy winner, Baker Mayfield, Heisman Trophy winner, Joe Burrow, Heisman Trophy winner. And I don't think there's ever been three Heisman Trophy winner starting quarterbacks in one division. Um, another quick thing is a last-minute suggestion for a chat row T-shirt. Uh, on the front, maybe a silhouette of uh, Ron Burgundy or Etheridge or Darius or the Sandman. With chat of the day, chat of the day, pop, pop, and on the back, <laughs> here comes the chat of the day. Thank uh, you, Doc. That's Dr. Dash in Cincinnati. And no, I, I hadn't addressed the quarterbacks and all the awards they've won in the AFC. 
AFC North there. Yeah, Chat Row, you got to step it up a little bit because uh, Seton's not going to give the go ahead. Are you going to give the go ahead? Oh, yeah, eventually, for sure. Uh, and there's actually been a bunch of new submissions okay. which have been really good. You think that the prodding by you calling out the chat row is being lame? Like you shame um, them? I think that I think it got it helped get people a little okay. more engaged. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think so. That was the purpose. Oh, it was uh, the jab. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who has a worse relationship with chat row? You or Mario? Me or Mario? Yeah, I, I don't think I, I don't have that bad of a relationship with chat oh, okay. row. They, do, they do. They spend a lot of time. Um, dissecting every single movement that my face makes. Um, but other than that, it's fine. It's fine. You know whose birthday it is tomorrow? Tyler, the moderator. Oh, Whoa. yeah. Tyler. Yeah. He turned 16. Yeah. Got that Camaro. Yeah. He's got, he's got his orange Camaro. So Tyler, the creator, oh, I'm going to let you really in here. So, the back office is Tyler, the moderator. He's friends with the big German, Eric, who's the director of the show. And then Dylan, who used to get breakfast for us, now does the graphics in there. Rob, the intern, is in back. Marvin answers phones. Marvin used to work at the mothership on ESPN radio. And then Alan's the IT guy, part-time chef and male model. So that's sort of the back. That's the back room. And then you have Mario as well. Now, uh, in the French as well. <laughs> they haven't been here in a while. Uh, they they were sent. I sent as many people home as possible, and there's only five of us, six of us in here. So Tyler is friends with the big German. The big German goes out and buys an orange Camaro. <laughs> Tyler, the moderator, comes in one day with the exact same orange Camaro. Single white male. Yes, and. We, I, I saw the orange Camaro and I, I saw Tyler get in it. I go, oh man, Eric's letting you drive. The big German's letting you drive his Camaro. He goes, no, I, I got the same one. <laughs> it's a bright orange Camaro. And, I, and, and then the big German has got Penny, the lab. And I said to Tyler, you're going to go out and get a lab now? Yes, Seton. I heard he's uh, actually changing the color of that to Viper Green. <laughs> Whoa! Just, out of uh, coincidence. Out of respect for me, my Porsche. I just, yeah, I just, just happen to yeah, like the color. Porsche. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Somebody came up with a Viper green T-shirt in the chat in chat row. I like that. Yes, yes, Todd. Tyler's so nice. He doesn't want to inconvenience anybody. He's buying himself his own birthday cake. That's going to a special <laughs> trip to, uh, to do that for. Oh, good stuff around here. Doug in North Carolina. Hi, Doug. What do you have for me today? Well, first off, I'm the world's biggest Seton fan. I love Seton. He's far and away the funniest person on the show. But um, I'm calling about something Pat Forte said, and I hope this doesn't get lost in the shuffle, but there was a time when the Big Ten was basically the Great Lake regions, all the universities. Now Rutgers is in the conference, and COVID-19 looks drastically different in New Jersey than it does in Iowa. I think we have to consider getting rid of these super conferences and going back to the regional uh, games. All right. Well, thank you, Doug. Yeah, I didn't like, you know, the Big Ten expands bringing in Rutgers as if you were getting New York City. Nobody in New York City cares about Rutgers, football or basketball. They don't. And I think that, you know, hey, if we bring in Rutgers, we get that part of the country here. Uh, Nebraska, all right, you stretch out across the country, all right, fine. You want to do that? But Rutgers... I know they had a pretty good year basketball-wise, but there's, there's no buzz about Rutgers 
in the New York area that you want to expand. I still think you're going to have the big five conferences. They're going to secede from the NCAA. It just makes sense. The, the amount of money that's there, you get 60 teams, you get an 18 playoff, you get a 10 team playoff. You can do whatever you want to do, but the money is made there. This way, you know, these other schools, they can decide if they want to be a big time college football program or they want to be a, a smaller college football program. Because who knows what these budgets are going to be after COVID-19. Yeah, Paul. Dan, you've been talking about this for a while now. And those those six, let's say there's 60 teams, five 12-team conferences that are the high-end football, those are the teams that pay their athletes. Yeah. You know, then you take the teams like who don't want to be there and don't football's not first. Like Vanderbilt should be in that other tier where they're a, a program that's academics first and they don't pay their athletes. Yeah. But I think we're going to get there at some point. Um and, and I think you're starting to see the NCAA just it, it, you don't have a, a number one person. You don't have a commissioner running all of this. And I think if you get that, maybe somebody is going to be the overall commissioner of the big you know, power five conferences. I just it feels like we're eventually heading that way. We'll talk to uh, Kirk Ferentz at Iowa about coming back. Coming back, I believe, June 1st. At least that's what they're going to try to do. We'll take a break. More phone calls coming up. I think Shaq's on the program tomorrow. Dan Patrick, shut the hell up. Is that right, Todd? He sure is. And uh, Stanford coach David Shaw and Sal Palantonio among the uh, Friday luminaries. All righty. We'll take a break here. We'll talk some college football next year on the Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Just heard from Mario. And to quote Mario, I have no problem with Chat Row. Seem like nice people. They just tend to be crybabies. No offense, of course. That's uh, from Mario. Have at it, Chat Row. <laughs> uh, more phone calls coming up. 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address dp at danpatrick.com. You know Iowa's last game, Paulie? You know what happened in Iowa's last game? Football? Yeah. Knowing Iowa football, they probably won in the fourth quarter. They won, I think, the Holiday Bowl. They beat USC in the Holiday Bowl. Ended up 10-3, and three, and their head coach, Kirk Ferentz, joins us on the program. Coach, how are you today? Well, I'm doing well, and I appreciate you starting off with a positive <laughs> note. That's good. It's always positive. Um, what is your time frame for getting your, your uh, athletes back on campus or back working out? Yeah, I think all of us right now are in limbo, uh, just waiting to see what happens, and it's going to be really interesting uh, because, you know, things are going to happen differently across the nation. We're already seeing that. Uh, but as far as, you know, bare minimums, I think most of us, uh, at least in the conference, agree that at least uh, six weeks uh, would be preferred. And then I'm, I'm hopeful at least uh, maybe two more weeks with our strength conditioning staff prior to us being around our guys just to, I think eight weeks would give us uh, a chance to be, you know, decent, decent position for the start of the season. Who's going to make the final decision? It, if I looked at just Iowa, is it the governor? Is it the president of the university? Is it going to be the Big Ten? When it comes to playing football, who has the final say on what Iowa does with football? I, I think it's probably all of the above. And, um, you know, the conferences, they, they've been meeting regularly, and uh, I think everybody's on the same page there, certainly. Uh, hopefully we don't get to a scenario where, you know, you get into September and 12 teams can't go and maybe two can't, uh, but that's a possibility. So I think they've looked at all those possibilities, but yeah, certainly, uh, 
think the conference wants to be together as much as possible, like any any league or any conference. Uh, but certainly the the governor, the the president, uh, the athletic director, all those people have a a prominent role, and at the bottom of the food chain would be the coaches, I think. If I said you could start on time, no fans, or start six weeks later with fans, what would you opt for? Uh, yeah, the, the problem there, you know, if you slide the schedule back uh, three, four weeks, I think that may be doable, although you have finals in December to contend with. Um, but, you know, my guess is we'd probably go without fans. That That's just one person's opinion. Yeah, I don't know. Does that change how you coach? Like, so much of college football is emotion. Like, I I don't know. Have you ever done anything yeah, like that? Is. Yeah, and it's certainly the players on the field. But uh, I think anybody that, um, you know, if you've ever been in Kinnick Stadium, when it, when it's sold out and it's rocking, it's, you know, it adds a lot to the atmosphere. Uh, conversely, uh, when you go on the road, you know, it's, it's a big factor when you play on the road in a good environment, a tough environment. So, yeah, it's going to be very sterile if that's the case. And the thing I would uh, liken it to is when we, you know, have uh, usually have a couple scrimmages in the spring and a couple in preseason camp. We're in your stadium and you're competing, but there's nobody there uh, outside of the officials there working that and the coaches. So it's, it's really a strange feeling, quite frankly. And, um, you know, the players are still competing, but it doesn't feel the same. Not, not like we're accustomed to. What was your uh, last contact like with the Big Ten? What was the last update? That was actually this morning. <laughs> we were uh, on a uh, 7 o'clock conference call, which uh, they've been 6.30. I got on at 6.30. Wonder why nobody was there. Uh, <laughs> you know, one of those deals. Better better early than late, right? Uh, what was the full update? Disclosure. Yeah, full disclosure. But anyway, uh, yeah, I think we're, we're just uh, looking at all the possible scenarios right now and trying to plan for the better, planning for the worst. And, you know, still a lot of questions to be answered, just like everything else that's going on in the country right now. I'm talking to Kirk Ferentz, the Iowa head coach. I'm wondering about this, though, Coach. You have Vanderbilt with the SEC, and their priorities aren't going to be football like it would be at other schools there. If it's Northwestern, is their priority going to be football or something else? The fact that certain states are going to ha- be a little bit more permissible to allow you know teams to get together. Like it could be an unfair advantage for some of these teams. Can, can you see where some schools might be playing – and some schools won't be playing football in the fall. I think it is possible. Uh, you can't can't rule anything out right now. And yeah, you know, the bottom line for everything, and it's like everything we're doing all across the country right now. It's about the, the people's uh, uh, welfare, whether it be the players, uh, the coaches, and staff. Certainly, the fans in the stadium. So uh, everybody involved. But yeah, I think that is that is a possibility. Hopefully, it's not a likelihood, but it is a possibility. And that that's where some tough decisions are really going to have to get made. I think when it comes to game time uh, and then in terms of preparation, no, no question. I think some people might have, uh, we're already seeing it where certain States are opening up a little faster than others. So, yeah, there are a lot of factors in play and, you know, it's just uh, uh, like, like most, you know, people in my profession, I guess I've probably watched more television and news uh, in the last six weeks than I have probably in the last six years, maybe 16 years. So, you know, you just hear a lot of opinions and I think, uh, Bottom line is a lot of us don't really have answers to a lot of the issues out there right now. Are you better developing tight ends or tackles? <laughs> well, the guys we can't develop as tight ends move to tackle. That's kind of been, <laughs> that goes back to 1982 with John Hall, played for the Kansas City Chiefs. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll do whatever we have to do there. But uh, Well, you got to, some to pretty that. good tight ends there, Coach. You got Kittle, Fant, Hawkinson, yeah. Dallas Clark. That's pretty yeah, good. Well, it, 
It's really amazing. You know, Noah came in here, Fant uh, could run like a deer in high school, and he uh, still can. Uh, they take a guy like Dallas Clark that was a walk-on linebacker here. Uh, he was like our third or fourth team linebacker back in 2000 or 99. We moved him over. So, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing. They all had different pedigree. All They all did come from different towns and all that stuff. But uh, the bottom line is they all ended up being really good players, and we're really proud of all those guys. If you were going to uh, talk to Tom Brady about his new tackle, Tristan Wirth, uh, what would you tell him he's getting? Well, I think he'll be really pleased. And, uh, you know, Tristan's an amazing kid. Uh, grew up probably about 25 miles from here. And I always joke, you know, he and A.J. Epinesa are the kind of guys we never get. Uh, boy, he came with a really uh, good skill set. Actually played tackle. He's the first guy in 21 years to play tackle as a true freshman for us. I think he started seven or eight games. And uh, the best thing about Tristan right now, he's a tremendous person, first and foremost, but also his upside. He's only played three years of college football. So uh, the next couple of years, not that Tom Brady cares what Tristan's going to look like four years from now, but, uh, you know, the next couple of years, he's just, I think, going to continue to blossom. He's a really good player and a tremendous young person. Were you at Pitt when Dan Marino was there? I actually was, yeah. So uh, somehow, some way, we lost a game in 1980. I was there. We were 12-1. Uh, and, uh, you know, what, what an unbelievable player Dan was, and, and tremendous guy. Well, you had – was Hugh Green there as well? Yeah, so we had – Dan was only a sophomore. Jimbo Hugh Covert? Green, Ricky, Hugh Green, Ricky Jackson. Wow. Uh, Jimbo Covert, Russ Grimm. I mean, go right down the line. These are Hall of Famers. <laughs> yeah, that was my first exposure to major college football. You, you probably couldn't tell, but I didn't play major college football. Uh <laughs> It's, it's, you know, you're 200 pounds and run a five flat. There wasn't a hundred man <laughs> as a prospect. But, um, yeah, that, that was my first exposure to major college football. And I'm, I'm looking around thinking, boy, this is pretty this is pretty easy. Just get a bunch of guys look like this. They, they were great guys and outstanding players. How close did you come to taking the Browns job in 08? Um, you know, <laughs> the, the – uh, You can answer it now, that, Coach. Yeah, my response has always been – I've always felt like I needed a compelling reason to uh, – to look elsewhere. And uh, the one thing, two things about it, you know, I came here in 1981 from Pittsburgh. Uh, and I grew up in Pittsburgh. I was working for my high school coach, uh, Joe Moore, who is my, you know, all-time mentor uh, in sports. So I had an opportunity to come out here in 1981, thinking I'd be here one year, two years, get back to the East Coast. And uh, we stayed here nine years. Uh, it was hard for both of us, Mary and I, to leave. Uh, then nine years gone and back here 21. So you know, we, we've always had a uh, – we've loved living here. We loved it as a family, and uh, the professional opportunity has been great. So I never felt like I had a compelling reason to leave. And uh, the other uh, side spot, which, you know, you never you never count on this, but we've had three of our sons go through the program. So, you know, it's really hard to put a, a price tag on that. It's really been a, a, a valuable and very unique experience that way. Plus, weren't you Jim Harbaugh's offensive coordinator? Does that – were you there in Baltimore? Yeah, I was in, I was in uh, yeah, you know, Coach, Coach Marchabrota. How is Harbaugh as a quarterback? You, you have a good staff or you, uh, you've done your homework? I'm old, Coach. Coach Marchabrota. I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm old. I, I remember uh, we had a meeting, actually, about the quarterbacks that were available that year. And the last thing Coach, Coach uh, uh, Marchabrota got up in front of the group and said, just, just, just remember this. He goes, you know, Jimmy kind of flies by the seat of his pants. And I was scratching my head wondering, you know, what's that mean? And then uh, when you meet Jim, you, you kind of figure that out real quickly. But uh, he was he was fantastic. He did a great job. Great leader. Uh, and then you get to compete with him. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny how you hang around long enough. You never know what's going to happen. So 
Uh, it's, it's been a lot of fun. It's been really interesting. Well, good luck, Coach, with whatever happens. And I know people say it's the new normal. It's the new abnormal because uh, we, we have no idea what's in store. But hopefully we get uh, some college football, and we appreciate your time. Well, that's a better way to put it for sure. I appreciate being on. Thanks, Dan. That's uh, Kirk Ferentz, Iowa head football coach. We'll get some phone calls here. Yeah, Coach has been around a long time. So have I. But, uh, yeah, he was offensive coordinator for the Ravens uh, when Jim Harbaugh was there. <laughs> Remember Harbaugh was captain comeback? And he would he had this incredible year. And it was like, oh, Harbaugh. He was with the Colts then, I think. It's like, oh, Harbaugh, he's always got a chance. He's, he's captain comeback. And uh, I don't know how many games they had where they pulled him out, you know, the wins at the, the very end. Uh, Luke in Alabama joins us. Hi, Luke. What do you have on your mind today? Hey, Dan, appreciate taking my call. Sure. Two things. If I described to you a quarterback that was Super Bowl level, big arm, athletic, injury prone, and you didn't know if he loved football, you couldn't tell me if that was Ben Roethlisberger or Cam Newton. <laughs> I, I personally think it's the same guy. Uh, and secondly, um, I, I believe that Todd might be suffering from what Paul described earlier about Ben Roethlisberger, that big head syndrome and a body that doesn't show muscles. Hmm, okay. All right, well, Luke reading into a little bit here. Todd doesn't have a big head, though. Seton has a big head. I mean, physically. But Todd doesn't. Todd's like Daryl Strawberry. He's got like a smaller head. Like Daryl Strawberry had a small head, and he was 6'6". Yeah, Seton. Paul, can you check your notes and uh, go back to the last time we all measured our heads and right. see? I think the toddler's right up there. I've got a is massive he? head. There's no doubt about that. Toddler's up there too, isn't he? He he is. I do have my notes of the head measuring contest of of 2012. <laughs> but Todd has um, the great head measuring contest of 2012. Todd's no offense because I don't have a ton of hair. Todd's lack of hair makes his head look smaller than his disproportionate arms make his head look even smaller. You know, there's Beetlejuice. He's like beefy juice because he's very beefy. But he's got a smallish head. Beefy juice. Beefy juice. Beefy juice. And Todd has huge, huge muscular arms, but then no shoulders. So as you go up the arm area, it gets very small. But huge arms. Yes, McLovin. Todd's brother has a very big head. Ira Joe. One of the biggest of all time. Yeah. Ira Joe and that's Ira Fritz. I call him Ira Joe. There used to be a weather guy in New York, Ira Joe Fisher. And he would write backwards on this plexiglass board. And he, it was always fascinating. He'd give you the weather. He'd be writing it backwards on the uh, board. Um, who's the other guy, the uh, former San Francisco Giants manager? Oh, Bruce Bochy. Yeah, Bochy has an eight head. Mm-hmm. I think the White Sox had a pitcher, James Baldwin? Yes. Had an eight head. Seton won the measurements because Seton's, I think, forehead area is more pronounced. But uh, That Seton- would be the Irish in him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, mm. got it. We they, they give us billboards. I mean, that's not fair. Like they saddle us with a few things being Irish, but you know the forehead is a five head. I remember the first time I heard that guy said, "Oh man, five head," and I was thinking five head, and then I realized that I didn't have a forehead. I had a five head. Yeah, Paul. I, I don't know this for a fact, but remember David Deal, the former Giants lineman. Ooh, he has big his head noggin. Looks gigantic. Yeah. <laughs> now he's a big guy all over. No, so. I, I think that is a, that, that's a, just a big noggin. Yeah. Yeah. Remember in uh, Jerry Maguire where the little kid says the head weighs eight pounds. It either is that the average weighs eight pounds or uh, uh, your head weighs eight pounds. Do you know that for a fact, uh, Dartmouth grad McLevin? 
<laughs> nope. All I know is the movie Jerry Maguire, and it was a cute line. Yeah, but is it is that the average? Because I, I have to believe David Deal's head probably is a good 10 pounds. Oh, 30 or 40. <laughs> he's, got a, he's got a noggin. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe uh, look at that. Fritzy, text David Deal and ask him what size his head is. Nothing else. You know <laughs> no pleasantries. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what, what about our friend Ross Tucker? He's got a nice Ross Tucker's head. got a noggin. Princeton. Yeah. Could be a big brain with Princeton. Yeah, you could show a movie on his yeah. forehead. Uh, Brandon in Alabama. Hey, Brandon. Thanks for holding. What do you have for me? Hey, Dan, y'all was talking about, uh, well, first of all, 5'10", 165. Y'all was talking about recruits. I want to take you back to the 2010 season. There was three running backs on the board. Lat Seastruck, they end up committing to Oregon. He didn't pan out. Michael Dyer, they committed to Auburn. And Marcus Lattimore. Okay. Michael Dyer committed to Auburn early. And big win for us. I'm I'm an Auburn fan. All right. War Eagle. I gotta move on here, Brandon. We gotta speed up the, the process here just a little bit there. But I'm glad War Eagle won that. Yeah, Paul. He's right. Those are three highly recruited running backs. Michael Dyer is the one who had the flip over the guy yeah. in, the, in the national title game versus Oregon. Yeah. And Marcus Lattimore was gonna be an NFL star, but he got his knee torn up at South Carolina. Jeff in Detroit, and then we'll take a break. Hi, Jeff. What do you have for me today? Hey, I'll try to get it in real quick, Dan. What, okay. What's time for Chat Row? Listen, I have an idea for a T-shirt for Chat Row. Oh. Uh, kind of play off the uh, Death Row Records thing. Have a guy sitting in a chair attached to a keyboard typing with a grimacing look on his face and a headset. Inside the keyboard, you can kind of have it around the, uh, around the uh, computer saying different phrases that we say like, Suck it, Mario. Good girl, Penny. Here's a biscuit. Swat for Tyler, the moderator. And then on the back half, something like, uh, if you don't know, you better ask Chat Row. Wow. All right. Well, thank you, Jeff. That's, that's pretty detailed there. That's brilliant. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, Fritzy just sent me this. The adult human head contains the brain, which weighs about three pounds. Well, in some cases. Then there's the uh, skull, eyes, teeth, the face, facial muscles and skin. The adult head weighs around 10 to 11 pounds. Well, doesn't that little kid in Jerry Maguire, doesn't he say that it is it the average head weighs eight pounds? Kid doesn't even know what he's talking no, about. No, he's not. <laughs> I knew that movie didn't hold up. Yeah. I mean, it's cute the way he said it, but you're wrong. <laughs> Punk. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, okay, kid, it's cute, but wrong. What is that kid doing Backstreet. now? Jonathan, what's his name? Lipnicki? Yeah. Something like that? Yeah. Lip- yeah. <laughs> Did you know the human head weighs eight pounds? Is that where okay. they're walking over by the baseball field and then he picks up the ball and then he throws it onto the field and then Tom Cruise looks at him like he's going to be a major league star or something like that? I love Renee Zellweger in that movie. I thought she was great. Mm. Wait, what was that? <laughs> but, mm. Yeah, like I agreed. That was a disapproving. No, mm. that wasn't an agree. You'd be like, oh, totally, totally. Like, I know that you don't agree with me on Renee Zell. No, I do agree with you on it. I no, do. I really do. No, your enthusiasm is not there. Why would I have a problem being like, ah, I didn't really like her in that movie? Well, I, no, you didn't say it that way. I just way. made fun of the little kid. 
You just went. I'm not going to talk about Renee. mm, I said, mm, mm. instead of, oh, yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. This is like, uh, you just gave me the, like, uh, hey, honey, do you like this outfit? And, and you that, went, my response was not enthusiastic. No, you're, you're, if you, if your wife said that to you, hey, how do I look? And you went, hmm. That doesn't mean you like it, Seton. Let's try it again. This explains why I'm in so much trouble all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Need to work up my responses. <laughs> See, I call Seton by his middle name because if it's Patrick and then with my name, and, and so I call him Seton. So whenever I hear his wife call him Patrick, I always think he's in trouble. Like it just sound and, and you probably are, but your wife will say, uh, Patrick. And then I go, oh, God, I cringe a little bit. But that's yeah, your well, first name. I get that there's especially now that we've all been in quarantine. I've been getting a lot of <sighs> I get a lot of those. <sighs> Trick. Who's Trick. whose wife wants their husband back out of the home worse? Fritzy? She's got had more more than enough of me. This this has been at least uh, two three weeks that she's like. So when are you going back to the studio? Yeah, and she's made it very clear that she's got. She needs to uh, have me out. McLovin, you good? You safe? I think so. I'm more of an employee than a <laughs> husband at this point. <laughs> Take a break here. Close up shop. Last call for phone calls. What we learn. Shaquille O'Neal will join us on the program tomorrow. Back after this. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live every day at YouTube.com slash The Dan Patrick Show. This day in sports history, already ruined by Fritzy, but Paulie still wants to bring that to your attention. David Shaw, the Stanford football coach tomorrow. Sal Palantonio talks some football in Shaquille O'Neal will stop by as well. McLevin just sent me some real estate porn. I love real yeah. estate porn. A $100 million home in Bel Air is on the market. And I don't know how far you can stretch $100 million when it comes to a house, but that's worth $100 million? Yeah, McLevin. How about that for our L.A. man cave? If I don't know if we can afford it right now, but... Yeah, we can, McLevin. Yeah. No sweat. Yeah. I mean, it'd be nice to have a pool for the Danettes. Is That's, it above ground, the pool at this house? No, no, I think it's I think ground. They have an indoor lap pool, and then they have an outdoor <laughs> pool. I mean, they, they got a full basketball court. It's a, for $100 million, I don't know how much just the land cost in Bel Air. That, you know, how much, if you factor that in, but 100, it feels like I get a little bit more for my money for $100 million than that. Yes, Eden. It says it's got an indoor and outdoor pool, which is nice. That's yeah. fun. But you know what I want to know? When you look outside, right, the whole outside, obviously, it's in California, so it's really beautiful in Bel Air, right? And there's all of this outdoor space to go sit. And there's like three different outdoor kind of living room things. Yeah. How do you figure out which one you want to go sit at? So like, which one are you going to go have your morning coffee at? Like, oh, I guess I'll go sit over here today. Or maybe I'll go sit at this other living room. Well, it's nice to have options. And maybe the view is different or the sun is different. Maybe. The breeze. Yeah, Paul. I'm looking at this picture of this house. Yeah. Eh. Oh, I wouldn't buy for $100 million. It looks like a high-end uh, corporate, I don't know, office. It's awful. 
And it looks like a like a an elaborate condo. Yeah. Building. It's kind of like a resort. Yeah, it Kinda. is. Yeah. Now I'm not buying it. Yeah. I was going. I was going to at least kick the tires on it. <laughs> I was going to call get our uh, guy Josh from uh, Million Dollar Listings LA. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this day in sports history, Paulie. Dan, our great friend Reggie Miller did this years ago. I don't remember what date. I think it's 94 against the Knicks. Here it is. Houston and Utah tied at two early. We'll be going there both teams in a playoff game. Miller for three. And he got it. Reggie Miller with a clutch tray. And it's 105-102. And a steal. Miller retreats to the three-point line and hits again. Tie game. Oh, boy. So that's on this day 25 years ago. That's right. All right. And then I got one more that I'm going to just play a, a touch of because I don't like it that much. But here it is. Here's Allen Iverson. Mm-hmm. It's easy to sum it up when you just talk about practice. We sitting here, I'm supposed to be the franchise player, and we're in here talking about practice. <laughs> I mean, it, listen, we're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. Oh, man. It's so not good. Not a game. Doesn't he not sound? A, not, I not always think of Tone Loke when I hear him. Yeah, you can take the down. Take the sound down. You can take the sound down. There you go. Take it all the way down. There you go. That's how we do it. When I talk, then we take it down. He sounds like Tone Loke. Gets paid to do the wild thing. Uh, let's go around the room what we learned in the program. When you just talk about. No, we can, you can bring it back down. Practice. No. <laughs> Todd, what did you learn today? All right, so I can't decide which is more flattering for my friends and coworkers, husky, beefy, or that my lack of hair somehow creates an optical illusion that hides the true immense size of my head. <laughs> I'm going to be debating that throughout the afternoon. One of those three, I got to figure out which How one could you ever be lacking in confidence with all the things we say about you? McLovin, Impossible. what did you learn? Logan Thomas, good tight end. Yeah, no. Satan. I learned that the uh, front portion of my forehead apparently is slightly bulbous, which I didn't, wasn't aware of. <laughs> Paulie? <laughs> hey, <laughs> tough times. <laughs> this Mother's Day, call 1-800-Flowers. They have limited delivery, so it's important to lock in your order today. 1-800-Flowers. Beautiful Mother's Day gifts and bouquets. Go to 1-800-Flowers.com. Click on the radio icon, enter code PATRICK. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for joining us here on the Dan Patrick Show.